Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? I'm wearing black today in honor of the Texas Tech Raiders. And I'm no offense to you Texas fans, but a kid who grew up in our church here, and that man, he grew up. Um, Baylor Cup caught uh, four passes for 65 yards and a TD yesterday. So go Tech. Sorry, Texas. But anyway, you did good. Um, we're continuing our series called Stone Faced. And um, today we're going to talk about uh, who is your above all else and what is your above all else. And the essence of this is talking about our need to draw closer to the Lord. And I know you think, well, that sounds like very, you know, an abstract thing. And okay, it's a big, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of spiritual things. But I want you to see that this has as great or greater an impact on your life as any other thing that you choose to do in life. And that it can affect how well you do in your business, how you do in life, um, the things that you want. And I want you to see how those things are connected. You know, everybody gets to different places in life where maybe you feel a moment of disappointment. You know, maybe it's because um, you thought that you'd be a little bit farther down the road than you are. You thought life was going to be different. or You thought it was um, going to look like something that it turned out to not look that way. And you know what? Sometimes that can even happen to us when we get exactly what we thought we wanted. You know, we, we work for something and then we get it. And then after a while, you're like, man, is this all there is? Is this, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be. You know, I've talked to guys that um, won world champions, championships and rodeo. And, you know, they get that buckle and go down the road and they're like, is this it? And, you know, sometimes we spend all this effort or all these things trying to get to something. Maybe it's success in business. Maybe it's this. And it can turn out to be a little bit disappointing. Sometimes it still leaves people and leaves us feeling a little bit empty. You know, and then you get to a point in life, a couple of weeks ago, you know, we celebrated, and I, I do really appreciate that, you know, our 20-year anniversary here, and people were, kept asking me, well, you got 20, 30 more in you? And I'm like, no, probably not. <laughs> I mean, I'm at that point in time where, you know, I, I don't know that I have, I, there's more behind me than there is in front of me. And so it makes you kind of evaluate, you know, and think, okay, what do I, what do I want to make certain that I do for these next years? You know, what do, what do I want my priorities to look like? What do I, what do I want to see God do? And th those things are fine. You know, you can realize that, that time may be shorter in front of you than it was behind. That's okay. And the key about some of these things is that the biggest determining factor about whether your life's going to have meaning and you know what, we, we, we get that mixed up sometimes. Well, if I can get this done or that done, then, then everything's going to look different. It's going to look better. But really, we all yearn to live a life that, that has an impact, a life that matters. And if you want to live that kind of life, this is the most important thing, and that is to seek the Lord and to draw closer to Him. And Jesus talks about it in Matthew 6, 33, and it's in the context of, of all these worries and cares of life. You know, about how am I going to take care of my family? How am I going to have a place to live? What about stuff to, 
to wear? What about food? What about all these different things? And Jesus kind of sums it up in Matthew 6.33. And if you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. I'm just going to read this one verse. It says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, this, this series is about, it's called Stone-Faced because of a verse in Isaiah where it says, The Sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone determined to do His will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. And so this whole series has been about making decisions on the front end, about deciding what you're going to decide before you have to decide it, about making pre-decisions and making decisions that help you to live out what you say your values are, help you to live a life of meaning, help you live a life of purpose. And this decision is the linchpin to all the others, and that is determining who is your above all else? You know, if I were to ask you, hey, you know, this the next couple of weeks you have an opportunity to do something and minister to somebody else, or, you know, we need you for a little bit of time. What is the, what is the thing that you go to look at to determine, or what is the deciding factor about whether or not you can do something, about whether or not you could serve somebody else, or whether or not you could give? And sometimes it's, well, you know, I work or whatever. And I get it. There's times where things can be difficult or or, you know, you can be times that are more demanding than others. But here's the thing. The filter through which you make all the other decisions about what you're going to do and about how you're going to function, about what you're going to say no to in life, the filter that you use, that is your above all else. That's the most important thing. Whether you acknowledge it that way or not. But if it all depends on this one thing, then that is your above all else. And that means that that's the most important thing in your life. And if it's not, you know what? I need to ask the Lord. If it's not that, then something else is your above all else. So how do you, how do you live a life that looks like you're a follower of Christ and not just a fan? Because there's plenty of fans around. Plenty of people go, oh yeah, Jesus is cool, and yeah, he's all right, and yeah, we show up to church every now and then, and we try to do some good stuff, and you know, we, we, give, we put in the little where the guy's ringing the bell on, on Christmas, we put some money in there and everything else. But there's a difference between being a fan of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. And there's plenty of fans. They, you know, they, they can talk about Jesus and they like Him, but they're not sold out to following Him. But people that are real followers of Jesus Christ, what do they look like? Well, let's look at the first followers. This is right after Jesus ascended to heaven. And the church is being used of God. What did followers of Jesus look like? Well, it tells us in Acts 2.42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They devoted themselves. You know, I found another version that I think some ways fits you know, modern Christianity may be a little better than that. That's an old, you know, that's old. So let's look at a modern Christian version of what, you know, that verse means. All the believers devoted themselves to themselves. They continually devoted themselves to seeking a blessed life of comfort and ease. Now, y'all know that's not a real translation of Scripture, right? 
Y'all get that? Man. Y'all think about it for a minute. They devoted themselves to themselves. But what did the people who looked like followers of Jesus do? They devoted themselves to drawing closer to God. And they did that by being in the Word of God, by being around other believers, by being committed to the things of God. They devoted themselves. But you know what? Too many times in our day and age, we're more devoted to what we want than we are to who we follow. You know, we get in this idea that if we could just get this, or if we could get that, you know, I, I just want to finish school. I just want to, you know, I've heard people throughout my life, well, you know, I don't, I don't need to be filthy rich. I just want to be comfortable. Or I don't have to worry about money anymore. And once I get that, everything's going to be great. And I'm really going to be able to serve God. You know, I, I need to, you know, find the right person to marry, get the right job, get a promotion, start my own business. Once I get those things and I'm independent, then I can serve God. Then I'll put him first. That's a fan, not a follower. We get this idea that if we can just get a big enough house or enough stuff, that everything's going to be fine. But you know what happens is we, we get those things sometimes, and it's not enough. You know, I remember when uh, bars or whatever started giving out buffalo wings. Y'all remember that, chicken wings? Does anybody remember when they first started doing that? They, they'd be there and say, hey, come down, we're going to give you free chicken wings. I'm like, that seems weird. Why would they give free chicken wings? Well, the reason they did was because they, put them, they made the sauce so hot, and chicken wings were cheap. And they would put this hot sauce on them so people would come in, and they would eat these free wings, and then what would they do? They'd, buy, they'd, they'd order all kinds of drinks because they were thirsty. And you know what? That's how life that's how the enemy and culture and society in the world works. It's constantly offering you, hey, here's this thing you can have, and it won't cost you anything. But it, it, all it does is stir up something else that's going to cost you more than you want to pay. It's not about satisfying. You see, here's the difference. You can work and sacrifice time with your family. You can sacrifice serving God. You can sacrifice your time with God or whatever and get this stuff, but that stuff's not going to satisfy you because of what you had to sacrifice, what you had to pay to get it. But that's how the world operates. Let me tell you what happens when you follow the Lord God. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to you. You know what? You know what? There's nothing wrong with being blessed. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. Even being wealthy. Some of the godliest people in the Scripture were wealthy. But you know what? It never talked about how devoted they were to being wealthy. It talked about how devoted they were to following God. And see, when God gives you something, there's peace that comes with it. Scripture says that he blesses those he loves and he adds no sorrow to it. But sometimes when we work for things and we sacrifice things that we shouldn't to get them, there's, there's a burden added along with it. And there's sorrow and there's emptiness that comes because it can't satisfy us. Now when God gives us something and we see it as a blessing or as a tool, it's good. 
And that's what I want us to see about the blessings of God in comparison to the stuff that we can gather or the life that we can get our, our hands around. You see, devoted means continual. It's all the time. You don't devote yourself one time and then you're done. You have to constantly be devoted. You have to continue. You know, every single one of us in here has the same amount of hours this coming week. There's 168 hours. You're going to spend about a third of them asleep. You're going to spend a third of them at work or school or something like that. And then there's eating and whatever else. And so you're going to end up with about 50-something hours. And out of that 50-something hours, you've got to, you know, you got to drive here. You've got to get groceries. You're going to take the kids here. You're going to do this. You're going to practice, you know, participate in a hobby. You're going to do whatever. And in the end, you're going to get down to where you have just a few hours left to where you can do whatever you want to do. And so that's where people go, okay, I got like, you know, six hours left. So I'll, I'll take one of those hours and go to, you know, go to church, give that to God, and feel like that we've done something. But that's not how it operates in the Scripture. That's not what God is seeking from you. He wants you to draw close to Him. He wants you to seek His face and not His hand. You see, that's why when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus is the kingdom of God. He wants us to seek Him. He wants us to seek the Lord first. And then you know what it says? All these things should be added unto you. You know, there's nothing wrong with going before God and praying for whatever your requests are. You know, somebody would be healed. That, you know, God, you have a financial need. You, you look for, that, those are fine. But understand something. If, if that's the, the essence, if that's the main part of your relationship with God, it's what you're seeking from Him, then you're seeking His hand and not His face. You know, with my kids, all of them when they were little, there would be a time, you know, when they would be up in my lap or they'd, they'd come to me or whatever, and you know what, they would, I'd hold them, and I'd, but I'd be doing something else. And they would grab my face and turn it towards them because they wanted to connect with me. They weren't just looking for something from me. They wanted me to see them. And see, we have a God that is constantly, He wants to see you. He wants to know you. And so when I say that God wants us to seek after Him, He wants us to seek after Him. Not what He can give. And see, here's the thing. You know what He says? If you do that, he throws in all the other stuff because he already knows what you need. You know, my, my boys are constantly, you know, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. What are we doing for supper tonight? I'm like, would y'all just calm down? You have not missed a meal yet. We will feed you something. Well, what's it going to be? And I'm like, just chill. Quit asking me. You know what? I just want, can we not just spend some time together? And I'll make sure when it's time to eat that I'll get you something to eat. But you know what? We're, a lot, we're like that a lot of times. We're like, God, what are we going to do about next week? What are you going to do about this? God, when am I going to get to that? God, how am I supposed to know the person I'm going to marry? You're 12. Chill out. 
God, how do I know about this? How do I know about that? You know what the answer to all those things are? It's to seek Jesus. It's to seek the Lord. It's to seek Him. And to live righteously is to live the kind of life that God wants you to live, that lives, is lived in obedience to Him. And you know what? If you do that, you'll be in the right place. You'll be in the right job. You'll find the right person. It's not about where do I go? How do I do this? It's just about seeking Him. We spend so much time asking God about what He's going to do about things that He already knows and we don't have to know yet. All we have to know is Him. Now here's the problem. Divided loyalty yields mixed results. Is when we, when we choose to sacrifice, we, we violated the major command. You know what the Bible, you know what God said in the Ten Commandments? He said, have no other gods before me. And if there's anything that is your above all else that is not God himself, then you have something else. That's your God. That's your God. And so here's the problem with a lot of believers is we're really idolaters. And you know what? All of us struggle with that. I mean, it's easy to go sit, you know, man, you, you get enamored with something or you just think that's it. And first you're like, God, make this your plan. God, I, would you just make this happen? This has got to be, this is the way. And God's like, would you quit worrying about this? Just seek me. You know, sometimes my kids come to me and they're, they're like, hey, Dad, can we get such and such? And I'm like, well, I was going to take you to somewhere a lot better. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. But what if I just gave them what they asked for when I was intending to give them something better? See, sometimes we're so busy asking God for the cheap things in life that God wants to bless us with something greater. But we're not listening and we're not seeking. Divided loyalty means and yields mixed results. You know what? If you, if you're, if you work harder than everybody else, you might be able to get stuff. If you're willing to sacrifice your family, you're willing to sacrifice your time with God, you know, it never ceases to amaze me. Chick-fil-A is a miracle in my opinion. All they sell is a stinking chicken sandwich and some little nuggets. I mean, that's it. I mean, the waffle fries are cool. I mean, I like them. But there are, what, like 53 chicken places between here and Chick-fil-A in our town. I mean, I think we're like the chicken place capital of the world now. <laughs> and you know what? I, can, I don't even have to see their books. I guarantee you, there's not one of them that approaches the profitability of Chick-fil-A. I guarantee you they don't. And here's the deal. They're even open a day less at Chick-fil-A. They're even, they sell stuff one day less than everybody else. And they're more successful. You want to know why? Because that family, the, the, the founders of that business determined that they were going to honor God by not being open on Sundays, ever. And there's not one of us in here that hadn't left this parking lot at some point thinking, hey, let's go get chick. Oh. <laughs> hey, I, I'm going to admit, I even drove up there to it one time. <laughs> tell you thinking, I'm going to take my kids Chick-fil-A and they go, oh, whoops. But you know what? Why do you think they're so successful? Is their chicken that much better than everybody else's? It's because they honored God. Is it? Somebody said, yeah, okay, whatever. 
You ever had a Popeye's chicken sandwich? Just ask me. <laughs> Almost spat all over my Bible there. Don't do that. <coughs> Look, I'm not saying it's not good. I like Chick-fil-A too. But the reason why they're as good as they are is because God's blessed them because they've chosen to put him above first, above all else. And so here's the deal. It doesn't make financial sense to be closed on a day which could be. I mean, imagine all the, all the Christians getting out of church wanting Christian chicken on Sundays. How much money could they make? But let me tell you something. I, I can guarantee they'd make less money if they opened on Sundays than they would by honoring him with what they're doing. See, here's the thing. It's when we, try, when we divide our loyalties, on the surface a lot of times it can look like, and it looks like we should be more successful. You know what, I'm going to work Sundays. I mean, I, I, that's going to help me get ahead. I get more, whatever, and it doesn't work out that way. You want to know why? Because when God blesses somebody, he blesses them because they seek him. And there's a greater return. John 15, 5. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And you might say, well, that's just talking about spiritual things. Really? Because he said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. What is seeking God? It's abiding in him. It's remaining in Him. It's being in Him. It's not just devoting the last hour out of all the hours we have already figured out. I'm going to give Jesus one of the leftover hours. It's giving Him the first hour. Or the first time. Whatever that may be. It's choosing to remain in Him. You know how you do that? By getting up every morning. Set some time aside in the morning. Some are like, oh, I'm just not a morning person. Be stone-faced. Choose sometime in the morning, in the beginning, around the beginning of your day. I don't care if you've got to go to a Starbucks water or whatever and get your coffee thing. Do that. But spend some time seeking God and determining, God, you're it. What do you want me to do today? Father, I, need to, I want to be with you today. I want to, I want to have fellowship with you. Paul talked about praying without ceasing. He wasn't talking about getting off in a closet. He was talking about having a conversation with God all day long. God, what do you want me to do here? God, I need some help. Did you see what that dude did? Talk to God. And start out by talking to Him. By giving your day to Him. By giving yourself to Him every day. Remaining is a constant state. John 15, 5, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. It's remaining. Remaining is a continual word. It is a constant state. Here's something I'm going to tell you right now. Being devoted to Jesus will never happen accidentally. It won't. Making... Having Jesus as your above all else will not happen by accident. 
It happens on purpose. And here's the good part about it. I don't have to go and try to pull God's face to me. He's already watching. You know what Psalm 139 says? He knows when I rise up. He knows when I go to sleep. He knows how many hairs I have on my head. That's less for me than it used to be. For some of y'all, you're still in that good spot. He knows. Not because he's trying to catch you some, because he loves you. You know, it's fun talking to, you know, my daughter and my son-in-law about my perfect, awesome, and genius grandchild. Hey, how did she sleep last night? What's she doing? And they're constantly sending us videos. It's not because I'm trying to see what she's, oh, I want to, I'm a bad baby. I'm fascinated by her. They bring her over to the house, put her on the floor, and I just sit there and watch her. Just laying on the floor. Doing almost nothing. And I'm fascinated by her. You want to know why? Because, man, I'm into her. That's my grandchild. I love her. Do you understand that Psalm 139 where God says he, he knows when you get up and what you're doing? That's because He is fascinated by you. He loves you. I love nothing more from them for my granddaughter to look me in the eye and just smile. I'm not like, well, it's time for you to get to work, young lady. I just want her to, I, I want to experience her. Because I love her. But it's never going to happen by accident. But the good thing is, he's already seek, he seeks you. He loves you. Psalm 27, 8. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. And that's David. He was so close to God. He was so passionate in that moment. He said, you know what? My heart heard you, Father. You said, come talk with me. I'm coming. Lord, I'm coming. Every morning wake up and know that God is saying, hey, come talk with me. And respond with, Lord, I'm coming. John 15, 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I don't care what it is that you do or what it is that you, you want or what it is that you're seeking after. Choose to put Him first. And you know what? God will do the things you can't do. God will open the doors that can't be opened. Or sometimes, you know what? God will show it to you one way or another. It may be a hard lesson that you want to eat. You're asking for something that's cheap and not worth much. And he wants to give you something much better, but you got to get off that and get over here. Sometimes God's going to show you that. And it's hard for us to, to stop focusing on what it is that we want. But the more that we focus on him and the more we seek him, the easier it is. Now, here's the deal. You know what the, maybe the most shocking interaction in Scripture to me is, and I, I, maybe it is to you too, I don't know. But it's not when Jesus called the Pharisees a brood of vipers or, or whitewashed tombs or whatever. You know what it was? It was when they came into a house and there were two sisters there and they were going to have 
a big meal. And Martha's back there frying the chicken, getting the eggs, you know, the, for the potato salad and, and, you know, made with mayonnaise like God's people should do it. And so there, she's back there getting everything ready. I mean, it's going to be a spread, man. Jesus is there. All the friends are over. Everybody's there. Going to be pie at the end. Because what's, I mean, what's a big dinner without some pie? And she looks around and she's got flour everywhere and she's doing all this work. And there's, there's her sister over there. She's sitting on the floor doing nothing. Just listening to Jesus talk. And so she did what any of us would I'm working way harder than they are. I'm working way harder than my sister. She ought to be over here helping. So she goes over to Jesus and she says, Jesus, do you not think it's unfair that I'm in there doing all the work so you people can have a good dinner? And she's not doing anything? And you know what? Most of us would expect Jesus to go, Martha, you are so amazing. All this food that you're putting together, you've worked so hard. Let me give you this huge, awesome blessing. Let me tell you how amazing you are. Because you are a worker. You earned this meal. And you're doing it for everybody else. Because I'm doing it for the kid, for them, for the children. It's not for me. You know what Jesus said? It's shocking. Martha, you're worried and distracted by so many things. But Mary has chosen what, what's most important. And it won't be taken away from her. I mean, how did Jesus think people were going to get something to eat? A chicken ain't going to fry itself. How did Jesus think all these people were going to have this big meal? Oh, wait. He is the one that, you know, fed 10,000 people from a couple of loaves and some fish. I guess you got that. He is God in the flesh, you know, who rained down quail out of the sky when he wanted them to have meat and rained down manna when they, at other times. So, you know what? Maybe it really wasn't that big a deal if somebody wasn't frying the chicken and making a pie. And you know what he says to her? He says, look, y'all think that just by doing all this stuff that you're going to get approval from God when you know what God wants? He wants you sitting at his feet listening. He wants you seeking after him. If Martha hadn't made a single piece of chicken or a single pie, nobody would have left there empty. Because you know what? Our God doesn't fail. And we get so thinking, well, I got to help God make my dreams come true. I got to help God fulfill His purpose in my life. I got to help Him. He doesn't need your help. Now, does that mean we sit back and do nothing? No, it doesn't say that. You know, the Scripture says in the New Testament, if you don't, if you don't, Work, you don't eat. So we're not called to just be lazy and do nothing. But here's the deal. We'll accomplish more by being in God's presence than all the work that we can do. Psalm 81 says this. 
For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Work really hard and I will give you good... No, that's not what it says, sorry. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it with good things. But no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around, so I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me, walking in my paths. How quickly I would then subdue their enemies. How soon my hands would be upon their foes. You know what he says there? He, he's, not, he's not even telling them to fight better. That's what we think. Well, if I just fought better, I'd get rid of my enemies. God says, you want to get rid of your enemies? Just come follow me. Walk in my paths. He didn't say, hey, carry all this stuff, get these great big burdens, go out and do all these things. He said, if you just seek after me. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him. They would be doomed forever. But I would feed you with the finest wheat. I would satisfy you with wild honey from the rock. Do you see what God's asking them to do? He's not asking them to work harder. He's not asking them to do this. He says, if you just turn back to me, I would do these things. I would subdue your enemies. I would feed you with the finest wheat. And that honey from the rock, that's a reference. When they were out in the wilderness and they needed, they needed water to drink, God caused water to come out of a rock twice to satisfy their thirst. And he's saying, even more than that, I'll make honey the sweet things in life. Honey's an extra. It's not a, you don't have to have honey to live. But man, honey's good. I'd give you, I would give you these extra things that you're seeking after if you'd just come after me and quit seeking after them. And you're thinking, well, I, there's no way. Where would it come from? If I don't have this job, how would God bless me with more stuff? If I can't get to this point or you have my own business or do this or do whatever, not that, there's nothing wrong with those things. But if you're seeking those and there you're above all else, you're never going to be satisfied with them. Because here's what God says, I don't need all that stuff to give you extra. I don't need all that stuff to make your life sweet. I can bring it out of a rock. You know what he's looking for? People that are devoted to him. That's it. Psalm 127, 1 through 2, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. All the stuff you build, if you do it without God being your above all else, it's not going to stand. Unless the Lord guards us, protects the city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. How much time do we waste trying to control everything? Make sure nothing, everything works out for our kids. To make sure they get whatever they want. Make sure that when God says, look, or that nothing bad can happen to them. When God says, you can do all that stuff if you want to, but it's not going to do any good unless the Lord protects the city. 
How do you get God to protect your, your family? By being in His presence, by seeking Him. By praying, God, protect my children. Because here's the thing that I've come to discover. You can't. There, you can't set enough boundaries. You can't do enough things to make sure that nothing bad can happen or that they can't make a bad choice or that they're not tempted. You cannot do it. You have to teach them right. You have to give them the right opportunities. And you got to pray, God, protect them, protect their hearts. But the main thing you can do for your kids is by showing them what it looks like to seek after God, and then maybe they will do the same thing. And that's the best protection. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. The New American Standard translates it just a little differently. It says it's vain for you to rise early and work late and eat the bread of painful labors for God gives to His beloved even in their sleep. You see, that's, both of those things are true. God gives rest to those that are seeking to please Him. You want to know how that happens? Because God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. If you're trying to do it on your own, it'll never all get done. It always wants more time. It always tries to tell you if you'd be a little bit more committed, if you just sacrifice one other thing, then this would work. But you know what God says? If you'd come after me, if you'd seek after me, if you'd draw closer to me, I will do those things that you aren't able to do. It doesn't mean you don't do your part. It doesn't mean you don't get up and go to work, but you choose, you know what? Maybe I could open up on Sundays and make some more money in the water. Hey, no, I'm going to honor God. You know what? If I just fudge the truth a little bit, I could make this much more. You know what? I'm going to honor God. And you know what? God honors those who honor Him. This is the most important how to be successful in life point. Is seek Him. Seek Him. Draw near to him. You want to know why? Your Father delights in your presence. How do you do that? Choose to get up in the morning. I don't, I don't care how much time it is. You know, sometimes the first is more important than the amount. Even if you got to do it, I don't care where or how you do it, but spend some time. God, speak to me today. Lord, I'm, I want to live today for you. God, you're first. You're above all else. Help me make decisions today. Help me to do the right thing today. Read, it, read something out of Psalms. Read something out of Proverbs. You don't have to spend four hours, but do it first. Man, I'm not a morning person. I know, and some of you don't like to read, and you don't feel comfortable, blah, blah, whatever. You will always have resistance to things that really matter. Right? There's not a married couple in here that hadn't gotten into an argument and they knew, one of them, or both of them knew they said or did something they shouldn't have said or done. And so here's the deal. There's something in them that says, man, if you would just go ahead and say, I'm sorry, I blew it. But you know why it's hard? Because the enemy says, hey, they were wrong too. They shouldn't have treated you that way. Blah, 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 blah. 
And so what do you do? I'm, sir, let's just go on pretend like this didn't happen. It's the hardest thing in the world to do when it would, it would end everything. It would end the whole conflict. Why is it hard to do? Because the things that are most beneficial, that matter the most, are always going to be hard. And so you're going to have to choose. I'm either going to push into that and I'm going to do the hard part. I'm going to spend some time with God this morning. Hey, I struggle with it. There's days I'm like, I get there and I'm already halfway into what I'm supposed to be doing first. Or I'm thinking about that the moment I get up and I'm like, man, I just need to get to it. And once I get that done, then I'll spend some time with God. And then guess what? Something else happens, something else happens. And then before I know it, I look back on the whole day and think that didn't go real well. I wonder why. Well, let me tell you something. When I put those things aside and I spend time with the Lord like I'm supposed to, and I put him above all else and I seek him out first, everything works better. Funny how that works. You got to make the decision. It won't be easy every day because everything in the world is going to push against you. Everything the enemy has is going to push against you making that decision because it's the most important decision you could make every single day is to seek him and to seek him first. It's your choice. Decide before you get to the morning. Don't say, well, let's see how it goes when I get up in the morning. Let's see how things work out. Let's see how the day starts off. Choose to do that first. It's your choice. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? You know, this is all about, it all starts with a relationship with Jesus. You know, people have this idea that God's just up there waiting to zap us or to condemn us. He's not. You know why God hadn't come back yet? Why Jesus hadn't come back? Because the Lord's patient. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. The reason God delays is because He loves those who've not come to Him yet. And He wants you to come to Him. He wants you to be forgiven of your sins. He wants you to have a right relationship with Him. And here's how you do it. It's simple. There's three things. First one, you've got to admit that you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The second thing is you got to believe that Jesus is God's Son. He came and walked this earth without sin, and He died on the cross in, in your place for your sins. He died for your sins and for mine. And you got to believe that and also believe that He rose on the third day according to Scripture. And the last thing, is you got to confess Him as Lord that He's going to be your above all else. Hey, you're going to fail at it some days. Everybody does. But the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. So if you're in that place and you'd like to know your sins are forgiven, you'd like to know that you have peace with God and that you'd like to know that you're going to be with Him for eternity, I want to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation. You can repeat it after me, or you can pray it in your own words. But if that's you, and you want to be right with God, and you want to know your sins are forgiven, you pray this with me right now. Dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. 
forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, my life. Cleanse me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior and I confess Him as my Lord. Now here's the last thing that I want to ask you without anybody looking around. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. You don't have to say anything. If you prayed that prayer today and you you trusted Christ, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to look up at me because I want to pray for you. Just look up and keep looking until I see you. I want to encourage you. We would love to help you. We'd love to answer any questions you have and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. There's a number on the screen you can text to. There's a QR code you can open with your phone. Or at the end of the service, John will be standing here at the front. If you'd like to speak to someone today, he'll do that. We'd love to hear from you. We're not going to ask anything from you. We just want to help you take the next steps in following Jesus. And so I'd really encourage you to tell someone today. And right now, I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for each of us that God would help us to put Him above all else. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for those that made a decision today to trust you. Father, I pray that you would speak to them through your word, send other believers into their life to encourage them. Father, help them to find the right place, the right church where they can grow and seek you. And Father, I pray for each of us, Lord, that, God, we would be stone-faced when it comes to putting you above all else, that you would be our first, our foremost. God, we thank you that you loved us enough to seek us first. Father, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.